0: Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I am your host, Brandon Elliott. Today, we have a special guest, the man, the myth, the legend. So, we're, we're going to be diving into some awesome content today. We got Thatch Nguyen in the house. What's up, brother? How are we doing today? Yo, yo, yo. You know, it's Friday, baby. It's always good than Friday. Dave is here. That's right. That's right, man. I, I appreciate you so much. You got a very impactful story. A lot of the stuff that you're doing on on social media as far as like, you're an educator, you're a realtor, you're ground up construction building. A lot of people aren't even understanding that concept. Like we didn't even know as the altitude of where you're really at with all that stuff. But at the end of the day, you're doing a lot to give back, help out more people. You're you're a family man, you're a traveler. You've really built the lifestyle that you desire, right? I mean, you got the nice luxury cars that must be a hobby for you. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, for anybody out there that doesn't know exactly like who you are or a little bit about your story, you mind just diving into it. I know you come from, you know, a different country, you know, being an immigrant starting off in in America, like getting started into real estate, you know, real estate getting started in general, it, it can be challenging at some times, right? So I would love to just hear, you know, your feedback of first getting started and for anybody out there that doesn't know exactly who you are. Yeah, for sure. For sure.
1: So I was born in Vietnam in 1970. My dad worked for the U.S. military in Vietnam. And yeah. in April 30th, 1975, which is recently just happened, that's when my dad got noticed from his boss. They're saying that we are pulling out of Vietnam, the U.S. troops, because the communist, Vietnamese communists is coming to invade South Vietnam and taking over the country. And so they said to my dad, you should leave with us. Otherwise, you're going to be captured and killed. So my dad called home and told my mom, hey, pack, you know, what we got.
0: Yeah, let's got get out one of two it.
1: Case, And we had like 100 bucks. And we packed up. My dad said, I'm going to come home and get you guys. And at that time, my mom was 29. She was pregnant with my sister. I have four brothers. Dad was 34. And, um, and my dad came home, picked us up. On our way to the airport, we tried to go pick up my grandma, my auntie, and those guys. right? But yeah. no one was home. So that was destiny. Oh. And on our way to the airport, we blew two tires. We had to go get it fixed. By the time we got it fixed, by the time we got to the airport, we missed the last plane. And then we got there, and we called the boss. And the boss says, we got one more plane coming in for all of our main people. Ron, you got to come with us. And uh, But make sure you don't miss it, because you ain't going to be able to get on. Yeah, yeah. And so That's we got last a hotel, literally in Saigon. My dad stepped in the car. He didn't want nobody to steal the car. That's the only way we get to the airport. And so the next morning, we got up, and we uh, met the boss at this intersection. We got into this U-Haul truck, because no one knew that you know, the city was evacuating. Yeah. And we rode in this U-Haul truck to the airport. We got into the airport and opened the door, and there was chaos everywhere at the airport. And we got on the last plane, and we flew out. We landed in San Diego, where they shelter a lot of the refugee at Camp Pennington.
0: That's why there's a big population
1: in San Diego with Vietnamese people, and that's why there's a big population in Orange County.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? We stayed in the shelter there for about a month or two, and then we got shipped up to Washington State, and we stayed in the home shelter there for about a month or two. Found a gentleman that was working at a shelter, Charles Zettler. He sponsored my family to come live with him. We lived with him for about a year and a half, two years, and then finally, my dad got a job up more north in Seattle and uh, more the, the epicenter of Seattle because some of are like 45 minutes south from the main place where I live today which is the heart of Seattle.
0: Sure okay.
1: And so he got a job there and then we moved up we got a two-bedroom basically one bath house for eight of us yeah. and I grew up in this area called Rainier Valley for some of you guys I know Seattle and uh, grew up like a kid normal kid just didn't have much welfare and food stamps and Food banks, I remember going to the food bank, collecting block cheese, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. And a big ass cereal box about, you know I mean, about this big, you know what I mean, You eat for days. And so uh, I graduated from high school in 88. I wasn't super clear on what I wanted to do, you know? My brother was all in the aviation business, flying an airplane, fixing an airplane, and I figured, right, I'm just gonna try that. Didn't have a passion for it. And I was at work one day, I parked in car at this Chinese restaurant, and my friend, Linda, who was working there, she's the daughter's boss. And she said, you know what? You should go get your real estate license because I'm getting mine. And I think you do good. I think you got a good mouthpiece. And so I did. I went and did it. I got my license. I was 21 years old. And in 1991, I started my real estate career, but I didn't do much in 91. Okay. Basically, we just wandering. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, um, until 1994 and when I met Mike Ferry. And that's where my life just took off from there.
0: Okay, so you just had a random friend that kind of introduced you to real estate. It was like, you know, you could do good at this, so you should try it out.
1: Yeah, because I, you know, she told me, yeah, you know, 7% commission. i my brain, brand, I'm calculating 7%, 100,000, 7 grand. Shit, man, I are going yeah. to safe my parking car. I was making full time. I was working at a body shop, Safeway, and parking car seven days a week. And together, I was making 40 grand a year, Yeah, which is a lot of money for a guy anyway, right? Sure, yeah. Wait, well, you're talking about 7%, 100,000, 7,000, right? You're talking about it. five houses, 40 yeah. grand. I'm thinking, shit, I can sell five houses, right? But I didn't realize you don't get 7%.
0: Yeah. So so coming out here, I mean, the odds were against you, right? There's a lot of obstacles in the way, but when there's a will, there's a way. It comes in your bloodline, obviously, if, if your dad was just so persistent, sleeping in the car, making sure nothing happened to, to get you guys over here. And then once you met, you said Mike? Uh, how,
1: how did oh, that oh. Oh Mike Ferry, yep, in the real estate okay. business.
0: So what was that change like? That just helped the, the realtor career start taking off and yeah, then was yeah,
1: because I was not a realtor then. And yeah. um, I got my license, but I was just sitting around the office basically doing like one or two deals a year for my first three years. Sure. One or two deals first year, one or two deal plus I was only twenty one, I was the youngest agent ever hired in Washington State. Okay. I only do one two deals a year. I was sitting around like, you know, that's not how they teach you how to do real estate, right? Yeah. And then one day, there's this gal named Liz Cavallis. He said, hey, this guy named Mike Ferris coming to town. He's a very go-getter kind of a salesperson. You might want to go check him out. And I went and checked him out. And he was saying a lot of things that are really smart. He said, if you want to grow a business consistently, there's three ways you got to do it. One, you can sit around the office, wait for somebody. But the problem with that is very unpredictable and hard yeah. to duplicate You can spend a lot of money. And it's also hard to predict it and duplicate it. Sure. But if you want to go out there and prospect by door knocking, by cold calling, track your number, yep. if you do that well and increase your sales skill, your mindset skill, you can track your number and you can increase your odds by making your ratio better and better and better.
0: That's and right. I was like,
1: well, shit, I can do that. You know what I yeah, mean? Sign yeah. me up. So I signed yeah. up for coaching at that time. It was 300 bucks a month. To talk to somebody in my first company thirty minutes every other week. And that three hundred dollars was like probably ten thousand dollars today in coaching. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I understand that. And you know, obviously you're you're the type of person you see the value in it of coaching and, and investing in yourself. So what did that do for you once you that, that started unlocking some things for you? The persistence, the kind of mind mapping exactly what you needed to do to get the results you were desiring. Well what's
1: what's interesting was that when I started real estate, right, he said, the key in real estate, you got to go find sellers. Yeah. Go find listings. Yeah. If you find listing and seller, you're always going to find a buyer.
0: That's right. Right?
1: If you want to control the real estate market, you got to find listings and you got to find your know, seller. Sure. And I was like, okay, cool. So in 1994, I started my journey. I said, all right. I told my wife, Cammie, here's what I'm going to commit to. I'm going to door knock, a hundred doors a day, yeah. five days a week. And I'm going to do what it takes to get a lot of transaction. That's right. And so basically five days a week, five hours a day. I started at nine o'clock in the morning. I did a one o'clock and I see all my appointment in the second half. Yep. I did a Monday through Friday, five, days, five hours a day. I did every day. I did it for 10 years straight nonstop. And I was getting 20 deals, 30 deals, 40 deals, 50 deals, 100 deals a year. And by, when I met Mike Ferry in 1994, which is, you know, and then three years after that, I was already a millionaire just by selling hundreds of homes a year, right? I but what I it. learned from that was, if you control the seller, you make money. If yeah. you got skill, you are gotta make a lot of money. If you got mindset skill, you gotta make That's a lot right. of money. And you can't sit on your ass and expect some shit to happen.
0: Yeah, you, right? gotta, go, you, gotta, you gotta go knocking no on room. the doors.
1: Right, and so when you fast forward today, Today I still cold call and door knock, but I don't randomly cold call. I specifically cold call and door knock strategic list of fixer tear down property that in opportunity zone absentee owner. You know what I mean. I go and find those fixer in those area, and I actually cold call and door knock, send flyer, text them, and do whatever it takes to find them and ask them if they sell it to me.
0: So let's talk about those lists. Where are you getting these lists together? And are, are you having a, a team of people actually, you know, do this stuff for you or are you running around doing it yourself? That's a good question. So just so everybody's clear, so today,
1: all right, I'm going to answer that question right now. Today, I have a residential real estate business deal, Yeah. right? And I don't do 175 deals like I used to do, probably 50, 60 deals a year, Help them. pretty much my past customer sent influence. Yeah. Me and my wife run that business and we have one assistant, okay? Yeah and then i have a business where i buy single frame home and i fix and flip or I fix and hold most of them yeah. okay and i have a guy named james that runs that contracting business for me okay then i have where i built townhouses in seattle i buy raw and i build townhouses and my friend chris he runs the construction on that and then we build apartment building and my friend paul runs that okay so when i come down to a team i only have a team that's on payroll my wife and I and then one assistant and Lorenz who you guys see a lot on Instagram with me okay
0: yeah so So you really just have have one whole
1: entire team for everything
0: yeah I mean you really just have one main key player for each business
1: that's right but those guys are on they get paid per project they don't they're not on my payroll
0: yeah yeah I love that
1: so when I come down on the list pretty much it's me and this guy right here Lorenz
0: so yeah. what's okay. up brother?
1: <laughs> so so we me and him sit down and we create all the different lists so that we can go and co-call and do knock.
0: Okay. Yep. Okay. I love that. Let's talk about your first deal. When did you jump into your first deal and, and what actually was that transition from doing the realtor side to okay, let's start making some money on the investment side.
1: So I was selling hundreds of homes a year. Yeah. And then I met a guy named Saw who recruited me to come to his office. And he's also a real estate broker, own a lot of offices, but he also heavily owned a lot of rental property, right? Came from nothing also. And he said, That, you come to my office and you just keep doing what you're doing, be inspiration to my agents, and then would you run classes once in a while to share what you're doing? And in return, I teach you how to make money when you sleep like the tree growing outside.
0: But because, your tree right next to right? you. You got your money, money, tree, money tree right, right here. here
1: right? That's a big ass money tree, right? You got a little money tree. Go buy some money tree. Okay, it's a real money tree. But anyway, Saul says you can make a lot of money selling real estate. But the best you ever be is you just be rich.
0: That's right.
1: Right, rich is it's trading a one-time money. pay. Right. Yeah. But if you really want to be wealthy, wealthy when you trade your money for time, so you have time to do a thing that you love, that you gotta have to have some kind of residual income to pay so you can live forever, right? And he said, since you're in real estate, the best thing to do is own real estate, not sure. sell real estate. But sell yeah. real estate, use that money to live, and then use that money to buy cash flow property. That's right. And so he said, this is what you wanna learn how to do, my friend. So I said, I'm jumping ship, and I went over there, and he taught me how to basically start making money, take the money off the table, park it. And so I bought my first rental property in 1997. Okay. And I still own it today, free and clear. I bought it for hundred five thousand. It's worth seven hundred thousand, and I get like twenty five, three thousand dollars a month on that house right now, every month.
0: Now, so for the most part, you're doing a lot of the birth strategy, correct? Today I am, yes. Okay. Now, what was the strategy back then, just to try to you the know, get? The strategy back then was I didn't know
1: what I didn't know, right? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. It the traditional, the traditional way. So the house I bought, and a lot of my bought was houses already pretty much ready to move in. Okay. Which, would, which would most investors do anyway, right? And they might throw a paint job, put some new carpet in it, right? Yeah, yeah. The problem is you're paying market value and you're not adding any not value sure. to it. So you're not creating equi- instant equity. Yeah, it's really, all about
0: the value build.
1: That's it. Because the true deal is when you buy the deal, not when yeah. you ever sell the deal. Exactly. So back then I was buying property where, this is just call it today, $700, a $700,000 house. You know, I'll go buy a house for seven hundred, dollars put some carpet in the paint. Then I had to move 25, 30% of the money from my bank account into this house, but I didn't build any equity. The equity is the down payment, which is right. And yep. all I'm gaining is just appreciation. That is the old traditional way. I did that for years okay. until at some point, by default, I was doing burr, and I would do that for a while, and all of a sudden, you know what I mean? I started preaching about burn every fucking motherfucker out there preaching about burn now. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, it's just that value add, you know, and then get all your money out. You know, so for your situation, you know, back in the day when you just got started, you had a high paying, I wouldn't say high paying job. You were working your ass off to get so many leads coming in. So you were making good money. Instead of blowing it, you're putting it into assets. You might have not been to I was living in my deal. mom and
1: dad's house. Yeah. When I was selling real estate, you got all live in my mom. I started real estate in 1991. I started really kicking ass in 1994 when I met Mike. I would live on my mom and dad's house, right? Until um, 1995 when I bought my first house, but I already owned 15 rental properties already by then. Woo. Okay, that's, that's all real. Me and my wife, came were living on my mom and dad's house. Yeah. Okay? That's called sacrifice.
0: That is sacrifice. I love that. And they were so, talking
1: shit about me, man. Oh, man. They got the Benz, you know what I mean? I don't even know the guy actually really making any money, right? And I would leave my mom and how out had a Benz and 15 property. They didn't even know that shit.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I love that. So, you basically started off homeless to a certain degree in the beginning. And then now you're up to, you know, $1.2 million passively in rental, really? which is crazy. You know, so... When you're getting these leads, I know you have a lot of moving pieces, right? You're an educator. You're giving back and helping out a lot of people get started as well. What do you believe is the biggest thing that's stopping so many people out there from actually getting started?
1: Number one, they don't really know what they want.
0: True. Yeah.
1: They, they ain't super clear. Yeah. I'll give you I an mean, example what I mean by clear. If someone in your family had cancer and they needed $100,000 to sure. cure them, now we have a reason to go make $100,000. That's
0: right. Right? That's why behind it. Yeah. Like how, okay. how passionate so, are you about it? Are you going to do it or right. not? Yeah.
1: So the problem is most people ain't that dope-ass clear on what they want.
0: And so when I say dope-ass
1: clear, that's what I mean by clear. You see what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. So most people don't know exactly what they want. And so that's the beginning of everything. If you don't know exactly what you want, then you don't know what action you should take daily – what you should be learning, what you should be really researching. Sure. That's the biggest problem everybody has.
0: No, I, I couldn't agree more. So with, with your situation, you know, as all real estate investors are just human beings, right? As we're living, we always make mistakes and a lot of learning curves along the way. I know I, I got screwed over about a dozen times on, on some of my first projects with contractors. What can you say would potentially be like one of your biggest mistakes? My biggest mistake,
1: I got a couple of them. Number one, don't be in a hurry to try and raise capital from investor. Okay. Unless you got a track record. Sure. Unless you've done enough deal, you have super dope ass with good relationship with contractor, yep. all the people. Because you're putting your name on the line and when a subcontractor leave your ass, then that deal fall apart. Then you look like a dumbass to the investor. Okay. Yeah. My biggest deal I ever done was a 250-unit apartment building. And I haven't been in partnership with this guy who is my partner long enough. Sure. And that deal, when the market shifted in 2008, right, then I really got to really, really, really see the true person of this partner I was partnering with to do the big building. Yeah. And during that whole process, so at the end when the building was all done, Right? We were trying to sell this building and I felt like I was getting a lot of resistance on selling it Right when we know, they know what we, that's the only option we have is to sell the building. Sure. And the guy just put so much resistance, so many barrier blocks. And I'm thinking, what are you fucking thinking, bro? Yeah, yeah. Right? Why are you and doing it? That? like 15 investors, 14 of them with my own personal friends and family. One of them was his. Yeah. And here I am fighting my own partner to do the right thing, cash the property out so we can cash our investor out. That's right and that was my biggest life lesson. Everybody wanna do syndication, everybody wanna do you know, investor, but they don't know shit until you're sitting late at night and thinking, how the hell am I gonna get out of this mess and how am I gonna face the investor and tell them the fucking bad news? Yeah, yeah. See what I mean? They don't know none of that stuff, right? And then the second thing I'm gonna tell you is this, I wish, I would have kept a lot more of my flipping property back in the days, okay? Because when I was younger, just like any young person, I was more competing against, you know, my ego. Like, hey, you do five flip, I do 10 flip. Oh, you do 10 flip, I do 20 flip. Oh, you sell 20 home, I sell 30 home. And it was more about bragging who does the most when at the time, right, I was too so young, I just didn't realize, you know what I mean, that who give a fucking shit, who, how many houses. Because today, I always say, that guy who flip a lot of houses, that don't own shit, they're a dumb motherfucker.
0: Dumbest, yeah. Dumbest. Yeah. If you would have hung on to all that stuff, a lot would have been paid off. I guarantee
1: you have any flipper. What's their worst regret? They say, I should have kept more of property. And then some of them today still don't do it.
0: Yeah, I, I hear that a lot. I do. That That's something that a lot of people Think about last. You know, they go for that instant gratification, gratification or that right one-time paycheck, that of big course. paycheck right up front. But
1: of course. Because they wanna, they wanna they wanna live the rich lifestyle now versus yeah. sacrificing for tomorrow.
0: That's right. That's so good.
1: And I'm gonna tell you, their community around them blow them up. So they gotta keep flipping. Yeah. See, they was hanging out in my community, my community like, hey, you dumb motherfucker, you said you flipping 50 home a year, you ain't keeping any. You're a stupid ass.
0: You don't got shit. If you hang yeah. around
1: me long enough, you own it. The problem yeah. hanging around other people who are they all basically pour, you know, on each other. Oh, bro, that's awesome. You're like the man, bro. You're like the man. Yeah. And so when the problem with people actually looking at you as a man, you believe it, then you keep making those same
0: decisions. Yeah, you shouldn't be buying those fancy cars on that one-time paycheck unless you're right. getting those passive income checks, right? That's so true. So how did uh, 2008 treat you? What was that situation look looking like for that you was, at
1: the was that was my, what I call my graduate school of, call kick the motherfucking guy's ass when he's down on the ground with some steel boots. Yeah. Okay. That's the kind of shit I went through. 2008, I lost about four or five million dollars. I had my biggest real estate portfolio that was being yanked, the 251 unit apartment building. It's all done, leased up, and the bank won't refinance into permanent financing. Yeah. Think about that, bro. It took me two and a half, three years to build it. Got it all leased up and telling the bank, bro, it's all done. Per, switch it into permanent finance and they're like nope we don't want it we need to liquify our money so we can't afford to have a 45 million dollar loan right now and i had personal guaranteed it i had you know 10 million dollars investors money right i stopped selling a lot of residential real estate so yep. i was bleeding you know what i mean i had yep. to sell my rose rice back in the days you know what i mean And but i learned so many that i learned about having the right partnership Making yeah. sure you're never going to bring investor in, but you better make sure you got all your ducks in your eyes and your T crossed. Sometime going big real fast is not the smartest thing.
0: Yeah. Residential
1: real estate, residential how single family is not as bad. Everybody thinking it. Oh, 100 units. Yeah, 100 units. You got to split that shit with all your investors. How much yeah. money are you really making? You see what I mean? Sure. sure. Right? But when you can do single family model on your own, right, you can make a lot of money doing that without the headache. Yeah, so you I can feel, sleep like a I baby, feel. right? <laughs> I still do both today. I do single family bird, but I do big apartment building. But I'm very wise, and I learned that from
0: 2008.
1: Yeah, that's why I said, Brandon. But on Instagram recently, all these young guys coming out here trying to teach people how to invest in real estate—they don't know shit because they only been experienced on the good shit until they get the ass kicked, right? And then they can get back up and go. That's how you know they got skill and knowledge and experience to teach. But a lot of yeah. these guys who are teaching this shit, they're a bunch of fucking fake. <laughs> they don't know shit yet.
0: They haven't gone through any experience yet, right?
1: None, baby. And good time ain't really the real teacher. It's the
0: bad time is the real teacher. No, that's true. That's true. So with what you're teaching right now, you're helping a lot of new people for the most part, right? Kind of get started, get the burr method going on, get some passive income. Yeah. But where do you kind of see that holding out to? Because I know you're doing a lot of education. You're a coach, you're a mentor. You're, you're helping out a lot of people right now.
1: Yeah. You know, for me, it's this. I realized today, right, my life purpose is to inspire and empower billions of people to reach for their goals and dreams and see that anything is possible by me just sharing my own story and my sure. own journey. That's right. And so I'm just on my journey doing thatch. Yeah. And whoever want to hop on the train and ride along – I'm happy so, to share what I'm doing, yeah. but I'm not going down anywhere, lifting up no downtrodden. I realized the wrong thing to do. Sure. So to answer your question is one person came to me a long time ago. Can you teach me what I teach people is start with the end goal in mind. How much passive income do you really need to live comfortably? How many yeah. doors do you need? Right? And then do you have any money? If you don't have money, then you need to go sell real estate, be a wholesaler, make money, so you can start buying towards the number of door you need, sure, right? But part of wholesaling, finding deal, I got to teach them how to find deal. I got to teach them how to evaluate deal. I got to teach them how to understand, you know, what property is fit for a bird, which property fit for a flip, right? I got to teach them how to do all this so they can make money, also learn the knowledge, right? As they move towards this, when they find the right deal, they have to know the money. They when they identify the right bird property, they buy yep. and they keep it toward their door. Once they have enough door that I tell them to stop buying, then their job now is to keep doing this, but make money and start paying off those doors before they buy any more property.
0: Okay. So I mean at the end of the day, with, with all the different strategies, there's a bunch of different ways that you need to calculate your deals. Everybody runs their numbers slightly different. When it comes down to You running numbers, are are you doing this just quick on napkins when you're trying to get these under contract and then you actually do the the full due diligence? That's right.
1: For me, bro, it's real simple. If I find me a fixer-upper, the highest level is a bird model. A bird model, for you guys who don't know, mean buy things at the fixer, rehab it, rent it, refinance it, and pull your down payment, not your equity, okay? Only the people that pull equity are the people that just don't understand how to do this correctly. Okay? Sure. And repeat the process. So for me, this is say a property worth a million dollars. Okay? This is how I do a quick napping. What is it worth if it finish? A million bucks. All right. I multiply by seventy percent, which is seven hundred thousand. What's the cost of rehab? You gotta know that. Let's call it two hundred thousand. So the most I can pay for this fixer is five hundred thousand. Yep. Okay. If I get anything less than that, it's even a bonus. Yeah. So when I look at a property, I ask, on oh, what do you want? And if you say 500000 or less, that means I got a burr property in hand. That's right. So I'm buying it, and I'm going to fix it. I'm going to keep it. And I know that when I'm entering the property. Okay? And the reason why, because when you ever refi and you got 30% or more equity, you can h- finance 100% of your purchase and rehab pro- costs. So that means you can get all your down payment back, and you still leave 30% equity in the property. Yeah. That's the true Burr model. The rest of the people that are preaching that shit, bunch of shit, man, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about.
0: I used to take out some of my equity, you know, whatever I could get out and uh, have, get all my money back. And then if there was a little bit extra, I would take some of that. Now I just leave it in. Yeah, but, and the reason um, why?
1: Is because people are not doing other things to make money. Sure. Because if you just buy property to keep and you need that money to return again, you gotta pull the equity out of it. Yeah. Not to talk with the equity. That's why I say when you go find deal, if it don't fit a 30%, it's a flip. That's my money to make. So I can be ready sure. for the burr so I don't have to pull any of my equity out and live.
0: On the next one, yeah. Yeah. I hear you got you. It. So with partnerships, it sounds like you got that down to a T. If you got several businesses going on and you really just have one strong individual that you're meeting up with, one partner to to make sure everything really pans out how you guys have planned out. How are you picking these individuals? How long are you in relationship with these guys to see the true, the colors behind them? Right?
1: So first of all, in my rental, when I buy fixed rubber and yeah. I flip it, or I buy fixed rubber and I keep it, I don't have any partnership in that. I just yeah. have this guy named James. He does a contract. I pay him to rehab my houses. Okay. okay? So I just pay him per project. So
0: I and have he, no investor. I'm the, I'll
1: do everything myself.
0: Do you have enough work coming in for him that he's, he's just working for you guys pretty much, or yeah. is he picking up other side stuff?
1: Yeah. He pretty much stay busy with me pretty
0: much a lot. Okay. Yep. Gotcha.
1: And then when it comes down to building townhouses, yeah, right? I have a partner named Chris. He's a builder. Yeah. And 50% of the project we do together. And then 50% of the project is my own personal project. He did build for me. Okay. Okay. And then for the apartment building, that's when I bring an investor. Yeah, yeah. those are like, you know, $30 million, $40 million, $50 million projects. And, and that's a lot of money. We, that's that's when we syndicate, in. we bring an investor. But sure. anything from and down, I do everything myself.
0: Okay. So obviously that, that's taken years to be able to build those relationships with these guys to make sure that they're trustworthy. And I guess just being able to manage them, making sure so that like, the. Dang,
1: my contractor, I use them on. You know, and, you know, are hard to find, man, a reliable one, right? That's and right. I, don't use it, I just don't usually give him a whole bunch of projects at one time. I test him. I yeah. give him one project, how fast he does, how well he does it, then I give him another one. I give him another one. And then eventually, right, he's on it, you know what I mean? Then eventually, I give him more. You know what I mean? Sure. Chris, well, how I met Chris was, I was going through with another builder who wasn't on top of the game, and Chris was building for one of my clients. Okay. And Chris's team was on it.
0: And so when he was
1: on it, I am like, hey, man, why don't you come build one of my projects for me, right? Yeah. And then he built my project like this. And then after that, I had him do another project, right? And then eventually, him and I partnered up, we did some projects together, and then he does my own project also. And that's how okay. we built it. But you got to like, test the people out before you got to give them too much business.
0: Yeah, no. I've experienced that the long, you know, hard way, unfortunately, by putting people on several projects at a time. And not building that relationship That's up why it's first.
1: important to not to grow so fast. Yeah. Because everybody want to grow fast, but the key, you got to have the right people in place. Otherwise, it won't, it, it just fall apart.
0: Yeah. And you need to know when to like stop the bleeding, right? And make sure that they don't crumble your business around you. Right. Because that can't happen. So you got some kids, you got a family, right? And as your little guys are getting older now, how are you guiding them or, or showing them obviously they've seen the whole real estate stuff of what you've been building their whole lives. Yep. You know, I'm sure that's, I know it's inspiring for a lot of other guys. I'm sure that doesn't fall uh, too far from the tree. Yep. How are you guiding them to start thinking as an investor and, and giving them that space to be able to grow as a, as a real estate? There's been another podcast in the past you were talking about, you set them up with a laundry coin, coin yep. operation. Yep.
1: yep. I'm a 14 year old kid, a 12 year old kid. And yeah. so of course, when they're young, they've always been always around what we do, right? And I remember my wife said to me a long time ago yeah, when I was doing a lot of seminars, right out there teaching a lot of people. Sure. sure. She said, "Honey, I think it's great that you out there teaching other people, and I think you should continue to do that. Just don't forget about our own kids. and don't forget about home. Which is a really important thing. Because there's a lot of gurus out there that out there preaching to everybody out there, but then they don't take care of their home base.:
0: That's so true.
1: Right? They don't take care of base. So I call that just basically full of shit and full of out of integrity. Right? And so one of the things we have done with my kids, we start them young and we start them with goals, right? So for example, just last week we asked them to reset their goal. So this is my 2020 goal. This is my 2030 goal. Right? And so I had my two boys last Sunday, right? We gave them criteria and what they gotta write, right? You know, everybody got equity, like you know goals for fitness and career and saving and making money, uh, yeah. health, right? And fun, right? There's all the category. And so I asked those guys, I want you guys to take your time, and I want you guys to write down, by the end of the year, right, what do you guys want to accomplish in these, these equity by the end of the year? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And we're going to talk yeah. about it on Sunday at dinner time. Yeah. And yeah. so they went, and Hudson pretty much wrote pretty much all of it. Russell was halfway done. I said, so on Sunday, we're going to go, what's call And they also like, this is a schedule, right? And then my kids got a schedule. They follow a schedule too, right? And so they've been doing this for a while. And then they also do appreciation. So every day they write down what do they appreciate in their life every single day, okay?
0: I have that gratitude, man. I'm so telling gratitude. you, it's
1: so, so important. And then what happened was when they were younger about three, four years ago, right? They wanted to start investing in real estate, but they didn't have enough money yet. And so it we is. said, why don't you guys take your money? And you buy the washing and dryer machine in the apartment building that we own, right? And they're like, okay. And so they bought it. They already got payback back already from the revenue from the coins. But now they collect about 1500 bucks 1700 a month from their coins every single month from their apartment building. And we talked to them last Sunday. We're going to be building this other building out, coming out here soon. And they say, It's Good. a smart move for them to invest in, right? <laughs> and they got to, they, they gotta, what you call they got to buy the washing and dry machine in that next building coming up soon.
0: I love it. So, how many how many washer and dryer machines do they have?
1: The one building they own is basically there are two sets. There's a washer and dryer on one level. There's a three level apartment building, and we got washer cool. and dryer on two of the three level.
0: How many how many units is that? Uh, Thirty units. That Thirty units that are using those. Yeah.
1: So there's a it. two sets of them.
0: For sure. I love yeah, it. Yeah, man, that, that's powerful. I think I think. uh,
1: your your, your microphone is, is breaking off right in. is it? Yep. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you, but it just uh it's breaking off.
0: It's it's Okay. okay. Yeah, so I, I think uh you know teaching it at home is, is so crucial, you know, and getting the kids started, getting them, you know, uh, inspired to start, you know, figuring out what they want to do for themselves as well and and getting them started in the real estate. I think that's super powerful. So what if you know we're never promised tomorrow, so God forbid the worst-case scenario you weren't here tomorrow. What would you leave or kind of, you know, leave for your kids as far as finances or like educational purpose? Like, what, what would you tell them to go out there and do?
1: Me and Cammy said that when we ever pass away, all yeah, yeah. our net worth, we're gonna give them a small percentage, but the rest are gonna go to charity.
0: Okay, I love that.
1: Okay, so they already know they're not going to get the bulk of the investment. You know what I mean? They're going to get a small yeah, yeah. percentage of it. And that's why today we really want to teach them how to go fishing versus waiting for the fish to be handed to them down the road.
0: So that's we're right. Yeah. Everything
1: we're doing from the mindset to appreciation, right, to invest their money, to make money, right? And we're teaching them how to do side hustle right now when they're young right now. But so we want to teach them because we want them to really walk their own journey, learn how to fall, and learn how to do it themselves.
0: Yeah. Where, where do you see them in the future? Like, I know they're still young. I didn't really know what the hell I wanted out of life until I was like 25, right? So, what are, where are they interested in now? Are they trying to get, you know, yeah. some apartment buildings in the future? I, I
1: know that these guys will be entrepreneur later because they already wire entrepreneur already. They're out there finding sneakers and they sell like sneakers, you know what I mean? Online, right? So, they already been doing that, right? They already own rental property. They understand about passive income. So, they, they already embedded in that stuff. And then with the goal setting, everything, what they want to do, right? They got to be entrepreneur, no question about it.
0: I love that. How how are you separating work with with family? Because that's something I feel like as an entrepreneur, it's difficult to do sometimes, but then, you know, you're going to put in a a strain on one or the other.
1: Yeah. So so I'm going to tell you how I balance it. I have a schedule. I have a schedule, you guys, that basically I wake up in the morning, I work out. That's my time. Like I just ran this morning. I went running this morning. I do my meditation, right, in the morning before I go to work. I write my appreciation every single day myself. And then around nine o'clock to about four o'clock, somewhere in that time, I pretty much do all real estate business. Okay. And then from around four to five o'clock, you know what I mean, to six o'clock, that's when usually we used to have baseball game, baseball practice with the kids. But baseball now has been on hold of, because of the coronavirus. But that's where I do family time, and then dinner time after that, and then after that, then Cami and I have time. You know, we you know reviewing our goals and our dreams, and then the weekend I don't really work much, right? I spend time with the family. So that is pretty much seven days a week my schedule. So the problem why people entrepreneur they don't have a, a balanced life because they don't have a schedule. To me, success is about balance. It's about happiness. It's about family. It's about abundance, right? And to me, that is true success. Success is about all money. Because there's plenty of people that have a lot of money that got poor health. There's plenty of people that got a lot of money that got poor relationship with their family, their wife, and their kids. So truly, no one should be measuring the success with money. This is a measure of success with balance. And that's, that's why you so have balance. You got to have it on your schedule. And my good friend, Matthew Ferry always used to say, if you don't have it on your schedule, it's a hallucination.
0: That's good. I love it. So, Thatch, I appreciate you so much, brother. I really do. Um, how, can the, how can the people get a hold of you?
1: If they follow me on Instagram, my, just my hashtag name is ThatchWin. Right? And you guys want to know about my coaching business, just go to my link. It's on my Instagram. If you want to know about my YouTube channel, it's on my link in my uh, uh, Instagram. So if you just go to Instagram, you guys will find me there. And that's why I drop all my free information every single day there.
0: Yes. That's that's awesome, man. I appreciate you so much. I really do. For anybody else uh, that's tuning in, listening, as always, you can always check out uh, the podcast, Ready, Set, Go Real Estate Investing Podcast. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, leave a review, let me know what you guys think about it. And you can follow me on facebook.com slash Brandon Elliott, R-E-I or uh, Instagram Brandon Elliott Investments or BrandonElliottinvestments.com. So we'll catch you on the very next one. That's it, man, brother. I appreciate you so much. All right, brother. Thank you. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. Brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.